So today we have um, Sinch here with us. Sinch, of course, is our digital marketing uh, instructor and also the head of marketing for Storehub. So Sinch, say hi to hi. everyone. So Sitch, uh, what what exactly? So to give a context to the audience today, uh, so we, uh, what do we actually actually do as a head of marketing at Storehub? Um, so Storehub is a B two B SaaS uh, software mm -hmm. as a service startup, and we sell a retail management system and a technology platform mm -hmm. for retail and F and B entrepreneurs mm -hmm. in Southeast Asia. And the marketing team in Storehub helps our sales guys generate leads, engage our customers and helps qualify leads as well. So I lead, as head of marketing, I just lead the marketing team there, I hire mm. and grow and oversee the strategy. Cool, cool. So, hey guys, if you have any questions, Sean, Joey, or anyone tuning in on Instagram or wherever, um, since here has you know been the head of marketing of Storehub, so she has a lot of experience when it comes to uh, retail marketing or or SaaS or uh, marketing in general. So keep your questions coming in. And today, especially we have um, two movie tickets to give out. So we will need your help. All right. Everyone here will need your help. Joey, Sean, or uh, anyone here on Facebook Live, eight people will need to reach 15 shares. All right. 15 shares. And we'll give out this GSC movie vouchers. And actually, you can see this GSC movie vouchers, right? It's not a normal movie voucher. It's actually for Atmos. You, know, you say normal the front, right? Normal. Yeah. Normal. <laughs> but it's also applicable. We've got a special one applicable for Dolby Atmos. So if you've not tried Dolby Atmos, you can get these two um, GST movie vouchers. Please, uh, so Mary asks if she can bring Stinch as a date. Mm. <laughs> if you bring your son. So yeah, share, share this video uh, as, and as we get, uh, <laughs> as we get 15 shares, you know, we will actually give out um, to people who ask questions um uh, two movie passes so please help us to share this video and we'll let you know once we reach 15 shares and uh, keep your questions coming in when it comes to digital marketing so um before we uh before we start right uh let's let's get to know uh since she's sharing her, her yeah. the post on just share just share so uh invite your friends to this video as well before before sharing we have 12 people now on facebook so invite your friends who our marketers, business owners, uh, so we can hear and answer your questions. Um, okay, sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Bob. <laughs> so I am actually also the uh, head of growth of Next Academy. So you can ask me questions. Um, so digital marketing is so broad. So today we are on very, very broad grounds. It's not um, next week we'll have a Facebook advertising webinar, but today is very broad. So anything, so any, digital marketing is a very broad scope. So Ask me anything, you know, when it comes to paid advertising or uh, SEO, email marketing, uh, email marketing, marketing like uh, website optimization. Market your, I don't know, uh, if you're selling something online, how do you sell more of that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, SEO, that works too. Yeah, SEO, anything when it comes to you know, how to get started. Uh, so yeah, just keep the questions coming in. Um, so um, let me ask the first questions to Singe first. So as uh, as as a, a head of marketing of a startup per se, um, how how do you you know grow from um, zero to build a marketing team? So what what are in in essence what are the essential components components of a marketing team? Um, well, 
the there's no straightforward answer to this actually yeah. because it kind of depends on your strategy. Um, but also full disclosure, yeah. Um, I didn't start off with zero people marketing team, so yeah. I inherited the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Thorhub is actually about six years old now, and I joined them when they were about four. And um, there were about two people in the marketing team aside from myself at the time. Yeah. So uh, one of the key things, the first few things I had to do was to actually grow it and double it in size. Mm-hmm. And now we're about, we're 10 people, full-timers and three interns. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to add 16 more <laughs> in the next year. <laughs> so yeah, if you're a digital marketer looking for opportunities, I need 16 people. But oh. that's... But that's so yeah, so email Cinch if you're looking for a digital marketing yeah, position as well. So, yeah. uh, no, that's not the point. Um, I think uh, ultimately how you structure a marketing team depends entirely on what your strategy is going to be like. Mm. So there are, I think McKinsey had a really, really good summary of how marketing teams are typically structured mm-hmm. across multiple organizations. Yeah. So one is by a customer journey. Mm. So for instance, you have in acquisition, people mm. in like customer engagement, people in brand awareness. So specific pods along the customer journey and along the funnel. Mm. Or you can have product structured marketing teams if you've got multiple products. So mm. uh, for instance, I use like Mind Valley as an example. If you had one product which is uh, health and fitness, you would have a team dedicated to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option would be by countries. Yeah. So how I chose to um, structure the marketing team at Storehub was by a mix of all of those. <laughs> so it's like a Rojak hybrid pretty yeah, much. Yeah. And what we're doing then is uh, we kind of mix it like by region and by funnel at the same time. Mm. Because why? Why specifically is that the case? Because uh, because we need our we're a startup and one of the main things about our marketing team is it has to be very agile, has to be able to operate really smoothly, really quickly on its own. Mm-hmm. So the goal here is for every um, pod to have dedicated marketers, copywriters, graphic designers, content creators, and social yeah. media guys, and they will operate independently based on region and based on product. Wow. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Um, as as of Next Academy, uh, I think you can see uh, on on uh, our social media and various platforms, uh, content comes uh, very important to us because when it comes to the educational space, we we need to educate uh, our customers. You know, it's a long sales cycle as well, so we need to educate our customers because before they become a student. So we actually, um, um, when as a startup, I think uh, you would know as a startup, we look for I would say T shaped marketers. So uh, because we need. Um, a marketer that can fit into multiple roles and also work around uh, different uh, different disciplines. So essentially, when 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 I build a, a marketing team for a startup, it is structured around content and also complemented by paid. So that's essentially the the two that I normally work around. Um, but yeah, for me, it's coming up with the content process like right we're doing content right now so for any startup uh out there come up with a content process so we'll talk about content later but um essentially for me it's about content plus 
then the paid side, uh, which is the, the build, building blocks of any marketing team. Of course, there's different parts of the funnel. So any marketer that works for, especially a startup needs to uh, be able to visualize the customer journey and work on different parts of the journey simultaneously. I mean, I totally agree with your T-shaped marketing thing. Yeah. Um, we've got player progression frameworks at like, mm. how do you move from like, you know, like how do you like early junior marketer to like mid-level to senior and they're all based on t-shaped mm. marketer uh, models actually they're great if any one of you is like wondering what is just google yeah i think buffer is an amazing post about it yeah so t-shaped market just just a brief one so when when we teach so Cinch uh, is the digital marketing instructor for our digital marketing quantum degree. We also have uh, what we call uh, next in September digital marketing product launch bootcamp. So in, at every bootcamp, uh, we we and we teach the students, hey, you know, digital marketing is very broad. You will never be a master of everything. So there was a question that came in. Um, so how uh, from Farah Shazana is like. There are so many things to master when it comes to digital marketing. What should you master first? So what, what, what should you master? So uh, when I teach the students at Product Launch Bootcamp, I always say be a T-shaped marketer. So you, there's so many things to learn. I'm still learning uh, SEO, technical SEO, you know. Uh, I'm still refining my skills when it comes to Google Ads, but every marketer should have a T-shape. So they sh you should be in depth in whether it's SEO or Facebook advertising, but you, the T-shape, this is where the horizontal comes in. You need to know how everything works together, but we did in one thing. So, so yeah, that's, that's so, uh, the question is, uh, being a T-shape marketer, do you have to master all or how do you pick what, what to master first? Um, I think if you're going to pick stuff to master first, uh, all the stuff along the horizontal bit. Yeah. So for, for me, things I prioritize, right? Um, yeah. Understanding behavioral psychology. Mm. Like that, that is actually the crux and the fundamental like part of, I think, any mar any marketing campaign. It differentiates an excellent marketer and like mm. someone who just knows how to launch a Facebook ad. Mm. Um, so behavioral psychology, um, understanding storytelling, storytelling, building blocks of storytelling, mm. which helps you do something as simple as write a blog post mm -hmm. or design a whole marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. um, I'm being pretty, uh, getting proficiency with data and analytics, like, Excel as an example, mm -hmm. learning how to read data, how to analyze yeah. data. Um, so those are like, I feel building blocks. But if you're looking to build specific channel skills, and channel skills are what I call um, Facebook, Google, SEO, as a marketer, I think right now um, the market is actually mm -hmm. looking for people who are great at content yeah. and also great at paid acquisition. And paid acquisition specifically Facebook. Yeah. using Facebook. So if it's just in demand now, but the reality is that as the whole market evolves, these this like core um, skills, the mm -hmm. base skills, the storytelling, the behavioral psychology and copy is where we'll, mm. how you actually have longevity as a marketer. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I actually started off my career in traditional advertising. So, so um, we learned as a traditional uh, marketer, um, you know, back then I was, I used to do newspaper ads, used to do uh, TV ads. Um, traditional marketers, unlike digital marketers, don't go for the channels first. Mm. Um, they do 
proper research. You know, they took they take cameras out to record people. They do focus groups. So the the thing was they wanted first to understand their customer behavior and secondly to dig up insights when it comes to the customers. So. Um, no matter what, so I think uh, Mary was previously uh, on this live. I don't know if she's still here. Yeah. Uh, but so, so the 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 key is to understand your customers. So no matter uh, where you go as a marketer, which channel, whether it's SEO, you know, you you need to understand how your customers do your keyword search. Whether it's Facebook ads, you need to know how your customer would interact with you on Facebook. Or whether what type of um, videos you watch on YouTube. First is the um, Customers' behavioral you know, psychology. One of the base skills is yeah. T-shaped marketer. Yeah. Research. Research. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to get really good at stalking people and understanding yeah. what they do online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's amazing. So so uh, I think uh, there are about sixteen people. Uh, so how many shares so far? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. So our team, please keep uh, welcoming people and keep encouraging people to to uh, you know uh, put forth their questions. Yeah, so back back to that and uh, doing research. So what are your favorite ways to do research as a digital marketer? I'm actually a really good stalker. Okay. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I can find someone's Instagram or Facebook if I wanted to, if I really wanted to. So, uh, I mean, what I typically do is mm. if there's already an existing customer base, mm. then I have a tendency to maybe stop the top. 10, 15, 20 most active customers mm -hmm. or like most engaged or highest transacting, whatever yep. it is. I would try to stalk them. And when I say stalk, I mean specifically, who are their Facebook? How old are they? Where do they go? Like, are they urban? What kind yep. of language do they speak? And in an American market, that's quite standard. Everyone speaks English. Most people speak English. Actually, not everyone because Spanish is quite big there. But in Malaysia, you've got a, Southeast Asia, you've got a very diverse uh, set of languages. Yeah. So, and usually, urban, suburban, semi-urban, and from my stalking, I can kind of figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, that's for more like qualitative stuff. But on a quantitative level, um, Facebook's audience insights is really excellent. Yeah. Back when they were able to, uh, when, when we, you could actually figure out custom audiences, now you can't. So mm -hmm. I use that to kind of analyze page likes and who likes a page. Okay. Keyword yeah. research is also really, really excellent mm -hmm. as a way to kind of figure out the market yeah yeah so so i i also use things like google trends like to identify whether um there is a trend when it comes to uh, keyword search so in our last digital marketing product launch bootcamp we actually sold something called beyblades so beyblades uh yeah those like yeah. tops the spinning tops yeah so we collaborated with a brand called yasue to sell actually that uh that product so what we find is that it was actually a spike in, in in interest, especially here in Malaysia for Beyblade. So the students had a good time uh, marketing a thing that has a trend. Uh, for me, um, on a daily basis, I do on social media, I try to understand why people watch different stuff. I stop people, I watch different, different YouTube channels. I talk to different people. I observe uh, what is uh, events that are happening. Uh, watch what your customers watch, read what yeah. your customers read. Read your read what your customers reads and qualitatively actually uh it's it's very important um uh, you know as a as a marketer or a business owner you know go go down to the ground level and you know spend time talking to your customers and then that's where you really understand what is their pains you know what are their gains and you know what are the challenges so so eleven shares so far so we we're, we're going to get there 
So yeah, research is very important when it comes to being a T-shaped marketer. 19, okay. I keep yeah. hearing you say T-shaped marketer. T-shaped marketer. Okay, so that that's a great start. So um, start with research and, you know, when it comes to being a T-shaped marketer, um, choose a channel or, you know, at least understand your customers. So no matter what channel you are in, uh, you'll be able to apply the same principles. So, so, um, so I think just now I talked about being in traditional advertising. Um, so right now we have progressed to digital. So this is just a question to probably set up the, the rest of the talk. So Ijo Mark actually asked, you know, what has digital marketing, uh, changed, uh, uh, is, what is digital marketing be able to achieve that you know conventional marketing uh, mm. cannot? Uh, so, Sinch, what are your thoughts on that? Um, when you say conventional marketing, I'm going to make the assumption newspaper, radio ads, yeah. um, billboards. Mm -hmm. I, I think like one of the best things about digital marketing is just data, data availability. Right mm. now, like with TV ads, or I'm not talking Netflix, Netflix is not mm -hmm. TV. Um, newspapers, you can only go by a single like metric and it's called impressions. Like how many newspapers are sold? Um, how many eyeballs on a specific paper? Mm -hmm. And in fact, your newspaper has like what, 60 pages or more? I haven't read newspaper in so long. But, um, and there's no guarantee that someone saw it interactive with your ad. Mm -hmm. uh, on digital, you are able to track everything down to the action, how long they spent on the page, mm. whether they left immediately or not. So, to me, the most straightforward answer is that. Yeah, yeah. So data is the most important part, uh, the most exciting part about marketing. And as we progress uh, with marketing, there will be more and more data that we can capture. So in, in the product launch bootcamp, I always give this analogy for uh, Facebook custom audiences. So right now, you know, all the all the audience here on Facebook or Instagram, if you go out to, to look at the billboard outside on the road, all right? And then you see the billboard. What if I told you when you go home and turn on your TV, let's say you see a billboard for BMW cars, you know, and when you go home, the TV knows that you saw this billboard and will show you a BMW ad. So that is not possible yet with conventional marketing. But maybe with, one day. Yeah, maybe one day with facial recognition or whatever. Days. Yeah, yeah. But right now with digital marketing, it's possible. Anyone um, who has visited a website or engaged uh, on social media or watch a video or whatever, Facebook or Google will be able to capture that data and you'll be able to push remarketing ads or to those custom audiences. So data remarketing is the difference when it comes to conventional marketing. And my thoughts on conventional marketing, it's still important. Uh, I, uh, when I was working in uh, a retail brand, I love to advertise on flight magazines because in a flight, um, especially with no Wi-Fi, no <laughs> it's the only the place where you would spend time to read that magazine. So that's that's my favorite placement that I buy. So a lot of conventional marketing is uh, I perceive as top of funnel awareness, more like brand awareness. So a question that came from Kevin, who is an SEO specialist. Um, so he asked us how to measure the effectiveness of brand awareness campaigns. So, so what are your thoughts? It's very um, broad, but you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, this is not really my forte, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but in the past, so I've always worked with very niche um, industries. So I used to sell weird stuff, you know, like dating products, astral projection, and, or, and now even now at Store Hub, 
if we're not weird, but uh, we're B2B, which is very niche in a small audience. So it's really hard for me to rely on things like Google Trends <laughs> because honestly, the yeah. trend spikes like like this. Yeah. So so we, we it's very hard to rely on that. Um, instead, if we're doing brand awareness stuff, I typically like to see if there are any spikes in impression counts for on our AdWords account for brand. Mm -hmm. like, so store hub as a brand, for instance, mm -hmm. do we see during this period of time, like a spike in searches mm -hmm. for store hub as a brand? Yeah. So one, one of the clearest ways for me is that I know that there are ways to also calculate brand lift, mm -hmm. um, but on Facebook, actually, yeah. the brand lift studies on Facebook are super expensive. <laughs> um, makes more sense for B2C, to yeah. be honest. Um, I've also done some like a really ghetto ways like i distribute flyers everywhere right yeah. flyer a versus flyer b flyer a says call sandy flyer b says calls up call Ahmad. yeah and um to see which one gets a better result mm. and usually and one is more branding one is very like straight to the point i i'm very ghetto yeah 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 what about you yep um brand brand awareness uh there is no um one way it's that it actually depends on your brand. I have no access to your analytics. So one way to actually uh, measure the effectiveness of your brand is when you get more direct traffic than let's say paid traffic or, or organic traffic, you get very good direct traffic. So for example, you can, you can put, <laughs> you can go to similar web or you can go to any traffic and analy free analyzing tool. Uh, put in AirAsia, AirAsia gets a lot of direct traffic. So when you uh, build your brand awareness, until some point, people will not search for flights in Asia anymore. People will search AirAsia. You know, people won't search for cloud storage space. They search for uh, what's Dropbox. So hopefully, I, I hope hopefully you know people don't search for POS anymore. They search for Store Hub. So, yeah, I also uh, hope I so. Yeah. So. But but I mean disclaimer. Uh, this is hard for. Very broad B two C. Yeah, this is a lot easier to achieve in that sense. Yeah, yeah. B two B. Yeah, B two B is 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 different, but yeah. Or very narrow. Very narrow. Very or narrow niche. Or you need to reach the brand awareness with a very small group of people. Yes, yeah. So yeah. So 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 great um great stuff. So. Hey that's... guys, we're at twenty shares already. Twenty shares. Is it nineteen? Nineteen. No, One no, more. No, no. Twenty shares already. So, so keep your questions coming in. I think around, so we are now around 23 minutes. We'll announce the winner uh, for the best question when it comes to around 50 minutes. But great, keep the questions coming there in. There are quite a number of questions. Yeah, so especially when since you said ask her about retail software um, and, uh, and and other, uh, other marketing questions that you have. So great question when it comes to, you know, uh, marketing awareness. So when you reach a... a stage of very good brand awareness actually b2c people will say let's grab to that place let's over to that place they become, like uh, become like a verb so that's where you know you're there and there when it comes to um brand awareness so does not touch about um some tools so we have um a question uh from uh what are the social media marketing so basically there is a question that came from facebook so what are the your favorite free free tools when it comes to <laughs> we talk about you know google trends we talked about mm -hmm. keyword research so what are your favorite tools out there or not not necessarily free tools but favorite marketing tools that you use canva canva yeah amazing canva stuff 
great like yeah. for creating like little social media posts yeah ads i use it for everything yeah i also use um what is buffer actually buffer is a free yeah. tool so yeah. there's a free version of Buffer to help schedule social media posts. Yeah. So so jo Joshua Jonathan Lowe, we actually answered your question. So what free apps do you use to generate social media marketing on the fly? That's uh, Buffer. So with Buffer, you get to schedule all your posts on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I think now they cover LinkedIn as well. But yeah, it's yeah. quite beta. So so try it out, Buffer on the fly. Mm. Um, I like a tool called Keyword Everywhere that helps me look at the trends when it comes to paid search. Uh, that's amazing. I used to like keyword ever and keyword too, but recently Google revamped Google keyword uh, mm -hmm. search. Their keyword search, um, the whole interface was revamped. Yeah. And uh, actually it's a lot better now. So yeah. I quite like it. I also use keywordtool.io. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, we also, that, that's not free though. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's not free. I love, I love, so um, shout out to Neil Patel. I love his latest backlink tool. It's quite comprehensive. So put any website into Neil Patel's, neilpatel.com, go to backlinks, go into backlink tools, try out his Uber suggest tool as well for keywords. Put that in and then you'll see all quite comprehensive backlinks for any website. Uh, I love uh, Weed IQ to know what are the trends for searches oh, yeah. on YouTube, which, uh, which are quite important as well. Uh, the, my, the tool I go through the most, Google Sheets. <laughs> Google, everything that I still cannot believe that, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, tools out there that, that are free. Uh, so Google Sheets. Google Sheets and uh, yeah, all, all the, uh, I use SimilarWeb as well. So SimilarWeb, put in any website and they can roughly tell you where the most of their traffic come from. Uh, it's not accurate. But they can give you a gauge of the traffic. They use Moz, Ahrefs. Ahrefs, yeah, Ahrefs or Semrush are uh, the must-have SEO tools if you have the budget. So, <laughs> yeah, for a free tool. So, yeah, these are all the tools that you have. Well, I can see um, some B two B questions. So, I'll I'll jump to B two B since we have seen here, which uh, markets for store hub, which is a B two B business. You're trying to get retailers yes. to use. Um, the store hub uh, software. So a question from you, Wan Chi. So how does digital marketing or how how do you have a digital marketing strategy when it comes to B2B, especially with a long sales process? Yeah. Um, so I think traditionally, if you ask any marketer from outside of Southeast Asia, they all tell you to market on LinkedIn. Everyone says, firstly, you should do LinkedIn marketing. That's where all businesses are. And I'm like, yeah, but name, okay. The uncle down the street who owns the Mamak store, do you think he's on LinkedIn? <laughs> no, he's not. In fact, like unless you're with a larger company, unless you're like a marketer, mm -hmm. um, marketing on or like CEO or C level executive looking for a job, marketing on LinkedIn is actually really mm -hmm. expensive because mm -hmm. the audience here is just not huge. Um, so mm -hmm. LinkedIn is great for very um, organic content and Bob, Bob's a LinkedIn pro here. So you can ask, he can probably answer that later. Uh, but in Southeast Asia, Everyone, their mother, their grandfather, and their dog is on Facebook. Mm. And if, if, even if not Facebook, Facebook properties. <laughs> this means WhatsApp or Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. And uh, so we actually built, uh, so just full disclosure, StoreHub is a funded startup. Mm -hmm. So our strategy is very focused on paid acquisition. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a huge um, opportunity in Southeast Asia 
for B2B marketing that's founded upon strong SEO, strong content strategy. Mm-hmm. Why? It's because in Southeast Asia, there's a lot, there's not enough content that's made for a Southeast Asian audience. An example, I have a client who sells like water heaters. Um, in the US, if you were to Google, well, how to choose a water heater, you've got like three, four Google search pages for mm. how do you pick a water heater. In Malaysia, you've got Laoya Forum. <laughs> Everyone else is looking for a water heater. but So there's a huge opportunity here with uh, content building on SEO, content building on social media channels um, to drive traffic. Sorry, it's like a, a lorry <laughs> chugging along. To drive traffic and um, to your website, basically, using search terms, uh, things that people are already searching for. Mm-hmm. And then having paid acquisition to support um all that traffic is coming in. Paid acquisition in the form of remarketing. So one of the things that we do at StoreHub is we have a long remarketing flow. Mm. Long meaning like 180 days. <laughs> so we have a 180-day remarketing flow. Why? It's because changing a POS system in any store, changing a retail management system is a huge investment for mm. most business owners. Even if it's not an investment of money, it's like ch- training your staff, mm. like changing the setup. It's not easy. It's, a pay- it's painful to do. So sometimes they need like more nudges in that Mm -hmm. direction. So one of the clear ways is to identify um, how long your sales cycle is typically. Um, If it's some B2B, if you're a cheaper tool, it can be really short. Um, Mm -hmm. If it's a significantly longer sales process, then having like a prolonged remarketing lead nurture cycle is pretty effective as well. Great stuff. So so I think uh, Sinch did mention, so I have to touch about LinkedIn as well. So... Um, yes, uh, most SMEs in Asia are not really on LinkedIn. No, yeah. really. But if for, for B2B in general, if you are like maybe a SaaS software or like a big um, B2B, like, like a com- company like IBM, for example. So it's very simple when it comes to B2B on LinkedIn. Just create connections with your target customer and create content to answer their pain points. So uh, as since just now uh, mentioned about the customer cycle, so the, the customer journey when it comes to B2B. So the journey is typically, you know, the whether the storekeeper or whoever talks to the boss and then the boss make, has to make a decision. So you have to, as a B, when you market, when it comes to B2B marketing, you need to understand the whole process. So maybe coming up with a comparison chart between you and other, uh, other solutions. So um, create content for each journey when it comes to B2B and just put it out on LinkedIn and wait for inbound or do ads. So that's that's the strategy when it comes to LinkedIn. But yes, on SMEs in Asia, generally not on LinkedIn. In fact, they, like Sinch mentioned, um, there are a lot of other ways to reach them, whether it's Facebook or just flyers or SMS or just organizing events. It's, it's a great way I, to reach. I actually read this really, really good uh, comparison a couple of months, years ago. Um, are you, if you're B2B, are you sales driven organization or are you marketing driven organization? Mm. Now, most B2B companies, unless you are enterprise level in the US, are marketing driven mm. because uh, the entire audience is very, um, well, they're more equipped, they are more tech savvy, yeah. and they're better able to make these decisions. And the dollar to like $50 versus the 100, the 200 ringgit, mm. the price difference is huge, right? Yeah. For the average consumer. So they are more marketing driven. Mm. So you can build an entire acquisition funnel, SEO based off of a marketing driven funnel. Mm. Um, Southeast Asia is very sales driven. Mm-hmm. 
even if the average contract sizes are small. Yeah. And when I say sales driven, I mean, um, you want someone to come and talk to you, yeah. someone to come visit you. You want to speak to someone, even from a customer service standpoint, speaking to someone is still really important. Mm-hmm. And uh, for sales driven organizations, like mm-hmm. marketing has acted a little differently. Marketing yep. is more lead gen than it is uh, like more full funnel into product and growth hacking. Yeah, yeah, um, amazing stuff. So in Asia, it's more on the sales part rather than marketing. And um, yeah, it's uh, in, in other markets, it all depends on your market. Uh, but generally in Asia, especially when it comes to B2B, it's a lot on the salesperson. And uh, it's a challenge to actually, we call it marketing and sales alignment. So when you do a lot of marketing, uh, my advice is to be very aligned with your sales team. Your mar- your sales team need to understand the marketing process and your marketing people need to understand how the sales team, uh, you know, handles the leads. So that's, that's very important. So I can see a lot of questions here. Let me pick uh, some questions uh, from here. Uh, hi, hi Rajesh, who just joined us. Um, oh, where, uh, <laughs> where is that question? My mom just yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so hi. So, uh, what is your, so what is Mui's, uh, Mui's personal branding? Is it an effective marketing? Show, show up. Okay. Show okay. Up, okay. Show up through who? Uh, Sean's question. Oh, yeah, okay. Over right there. Okay. So Facebook makes it seem like it's at, at targeting users in ads according to behavior interest. It's really precise, but when I check, uh, the interest under my ad preferences in my own settings, most of them are completely wrong. <laughs> Do you think it's the accuracy of the algorithm? What are your thoughts on lookalike audiences? Okay, this is, uh, these are very good. So Sean basically asked, you know, you know, how accurate is, is interest behavior targeting on Facebook? And then after that, he has a subsequent question on what well, talks on lookalike audiences. Uh, would be interested in just because they don't share the same traits as the same people. So basically how to use lookalike audiences. So, okay, I'll, I'll share my thoughts first. So basically, um, as Singe will teach you in digital marketing quantum degree, there are three types of targeting, you know, behavior, demographic, and interest targeting. So, uh, being in Asia, especially being Asia, there are not, um, uh, not all behavior targeting is available. So some targeting like race, religion, it's not in, available here, but available in, especially race. Spend data is not available. Uh, uh, spend household, household income. Household income is not available here. So a lot of the interest and behavior targeting is not available. My my practice is I A-B test different behavior and interest targeting in different ad sets. Now we have, you know, campaign, uh, campaign, uh, what is it called? Uh, campaign-based optimizing, yeah, budget CBO, optimizing, CBO. Budget so I just put one campaign and test out different interest targeting. Um, so to overcome that, like Sean said, uh, lookalike audiences are a way to overcome that. So basically lookalike audiences is, for example, if Singe is the seed audience, what happens is Facebook can look for 1,000 people or 10% of the population similar, similar to Singe. So that's a way to test out interest targeting. Uh, test out uh, lookalike targeting, uh, which is sometimes more uh, accurate than interest targeting. For me, um, my in my experience as a as a marketer, the parents targeting is the one that really works for me for certain reasons. Um, so we do a lot of different targeting for parents, for students, for expats works as well. Uh, but 
because of the data, I think the data collected here in Asia, the, the interest targeting is not that accurate for me, um, but lookalikes works well, uh, especially if you put a lookalike against two to 5%, uh, but it all depends on um, do a lot of testing to see which works well for your business. Yeah, I, I think you can't, you can't hope that Facebook is accurate. It's very hard to hope that Facebook is accurate. Um, mainly because you will never get proof that Facebook is accurate. Yeah. Um, so for me, as a, as a, I'm, I'm a marketer, so I engage with all sorts of ads. So if I see an ad like I click, um, this means I get targeted a lot of junk. Yeah. And my interest targeting is definitely super skewed on mm -hmm. Facebook. But uh, layering actually works. So layer what you think are interest targeting with precluding factors, mm. uh, like things that would exclude your audience mm -hmm. um, when you're creating content. So, okay, easy example. There is a no, there's no business owner segment, demographic segment on Facebook. It mm. doesn't exist. Uh, their business tag is actually filled with people who own Facebook, manage Facebook pages. Mm. And as you all know, everyone has a Facebook page here. Mm. So what do we do instead? In the Philippines, uh, we work with an agency there, and we know that if you are a retailer, if you want to open a retail store, an F&B store, uh, you actually need a lot of money. Mm. So you've got to be pretty rich in order to do that. But because in Asia, there's no uh, high spender tagging yeah. or affinity audience, affluent audience, affluent audience yeah. kind of that, um, we, actually, we actually filter it by people who have traveled recently. Okay. Yeah as an example, because you would have to be able to spend quite a bit. Mm. And on top of that, we layer all of our ads with like, do you own a retail store? Or are you a business owner? No, actually, no, are you a business owner? Owner is terrible. Um, it's like, do you run a cafe? Is your cafe giving you a headache? So we're very specific. And the first frame of all of our ads mm -hmm. will exclude anybody who well doesn't have a retail business store. Mm -hmm. So you can actually use your creative and your copy to mm -hmm. filter out irrelevant audience that that in my experience that has worked the best mm -hmm. and while still maintaining interest targeting i i i would actually add to that um the objective of your facebook ad actually does matter as well mm -hmm. so and in different markets in asia um if you put it as a engagement ad you will not really get your target audience yeah. So by putting, setting your objective right, whether it's conversions or video views or traffic, um, generally Facebook picks the audience that will convert for you or become a lead for you. So picking that objective plus the, the segmentation of the targeting, uh, the, co the right combination will give you the right results. So always pick the right objective with the right targeting. You're going to have to test it a lot though. Yeah, it, yeah. It takes a while to get to something that mm. works for you. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that. Okay. So yeah. any other questions? So so maybe we can go back to uh, um, a question from, from our Facebook uh, previously. So do you agree? That no matter how good digital marketing strategy it depends on your USP, market demand, because when the USP is not strong enough, digital marketing becomes less, becomes more effective. Oh, when the USP is strong enough, digital marketing. Yeah. So this enough. is a question from Kawai. Thanks for this question. So Kawai asks, you know, like, like since you just said, you know, does, does having a better USP help with digital marketing? Okay. 
yeah, of course. Of course, like, like, like if you're doing digital marketing for a product that is tre in trend, like we were, our students were just uh, selling online products, uh, selling Beyblades online, it helps because there is search volume, there is uh, a good product. And for me, how, how I uh, measure whether it's a good product to do digital marketing, for me, the key takeaway is margin. <laughs> Because without a good margin, you cannot run sufficient ads. For example, if your margin is three ringgit and you run Facebook ads, that means you have to sell a ton of product before you earn back your advertising. So that's that's my point of view. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But actually, marketing is not a, digital marketing is not a cure-all, right? Yeah. doesn't mean if you have a product, you can just market and boom, you're going to get sales. <laughs> it, it's still business strategy. Mm. It's still like a, having a strong business case. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, if you don't have a strong unique selling proposition, mm -hmm. your why you sell is not in trend. You can spend all the money you want on marketing, and it's still not really going to go anywhere. So marketing is there to take something that works and scale it, mm -hmm. not or even to test the market. But it's not going to work in the long run if, on a business level, on a business case, you're still not proven. You don't have a strong selling proposition. Cool. So, okay, that's that's a great uh, answer. So, as USP that actually does help finding the right product to market um, is the first thing before you start doing your marketing. So, even if before like uh, anyone starts a marketing campaign or starts a business, I would actually look at, hey, actually, do you have a right product that has the right margin or is it in demand? Yeah, product market fit. That's a very like startup term, right? <laughs> <laughs> product market fit. So, so a question that came from Instagram. So since, since we have Sinch here, so uh, Rishan Disha actually asked, you know, uh, what is the most viable platform to invest in marketing right now? So the, I will rephrase that question um, for Sinch. So what, what is your focus for marketing in, in 2019? Content. Content, okay. Mm -hmm. So not so much like what's the platform, but delivering content across multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. And that content is, it can be in the form of a blog, mm -hmm. video, um, live like this, uh, yeah, pre-recorded webinars. Um, content is the main focus mm -hmm. for 2019. Yeah, same here as well for Next Academy as we are doing this live. So basically content. So um, content goes a long way. For me, um, it's putting out different types of content with uh, one. So when we do this webinar live, so people call it, some people call it content sprout. You know, Eric still calls it content sprout. So when we do this webinar live, this content will be on podcast as well. You just strip out the audio. And then short um, content from this video, the questions that we answer, we'll put it up onto YouTube as well. So YouTube content is important in 2019 because in the SERP, which is the search engine results page, the most of the results have a video uh, YouTube link, YouTube you know, on the first page. So we, I also focus on content. So this can be also be turned to audio. We can transcribe it and write a blog about it. So yeah, come content is the way uh, in, in 2019 have the right content and also have the right means to distribute it. So and Swiss Army knife because so this entire setup is like a laptop, two people, a phone on, oh, on Instagram, a tripod for Instagram, hi guys, yeah. and a mic. Yeah. So we don't even need to have like a, an amazing mic. There's a light here, but you could do this in your bedroom and it'd be fine. Yeah. 
Awesome, awesome stuff. So let's see any other questions coming in. So we have a uh, questions. Okay, Yu Yan Chong. So this is a very SEO question. How do, how do we find out the latest Google algorithm and how to use it? Interesting question. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> Google's new algorithm. Okay, I'll just share my philosophy for <laughs> SEO and surviving any Google algorithm forever, yeah. right? <laughs> Aside from basic technical, so you still have yeah. to do technical stuff. Yeah. Like, it's frankly creating just good, solid content. That's just it. Because ultimately, Google still relies on important things such as how many people click. On yeah. your link if you're on page one, click through rate, mm. um, Google's always Google Analytics, time spent on page, and all of that still matters to Google. But I think we also all have to accept that Google's moving in this direction where they don't really want you to be clicking on links anymore. Yeah. The most important information is going to just be displayed immediately there and then on your screen. We're seeing that right now. Uh, if you're a retail and FMB, uh, SEO is going to be limited to how do you rank on Google My Business? Yeah. How do you rank on Google Maps? If you are going to be like B2B SaaS like ourselves, um, I don't expect to rank for POS as a search term because Wikipedia is going to own that and mm. Facebook's, uh, Google's going to pull from Wikipedia. Yeah. But uh, what Google has not yet managed to pull, or not effectively anyway, long form, strong um, pieces of content that you cannot read in like five. Yeah like a quick glance this means like oh um retail like uh how do you like retail trends of 2019 mm -hmm. that is unlikely to be summarized by google yeah but there might be i okay i don't know, i pulled that out of my ass so I, I have no idea whether that's a huge search term or not but the chances of you still ranking for a term like that mm -hmm. um you still actually um being able to get a click through for a term like that is mm -hmm. really, really high. And there's also a future in localized content. And in Southeast Asia, I feel we are particularly good spot for that. Mm. If you're in the US, you've got a shit ton of competing content. Mm. Here, local content, we don't have a lot of local content, honestly. Yeah. And um, Google is going to continue to prioritize local content mm -hmm. as it becomes more um, as it becomes more specific to each of the audiences. At least that's my take. Also, do video because YouTube links will come out like right yeah. top, actually. Yeah. Um, my, my take on that is like the, the answer to the previous question. <laughs> Make sure you have the right content. So content actually takes care of, about, uh, of a lot of things. So first, of course, you, you take care of your technical SEO, get a good tool like SEMrush or um, Hrefs, you know, check out how to optimize your website, different links and stuff. But if when you create great content, you spend a lot of money on research, create great content, people will link back to you. Uh, yeah, and then Google will actually want to give people a good user experience. So that's when your content rank as well. So as long as you keep the principles of having a very uh, user-friendly website and also create great content, I think you will go, uh, you will be constantly ahead of the Google algorithm. You're right. Yeah. Really, really good website. Mobile load speed, guys. <laughs> like mobile load speed is the most important thing. Yeah. But how fast does your site load? Yeah, go to googleoptimize.com. This is free tip. <laughs> go oh, to Google Optimize. Tool. <laughs> yeah, go Google Optimize. Put your website in and see what is not. So just put your website in and see what is um, <laughs> what is load. your page 
load speed and what are the problems that needs to be fixed. Yeah. So yeah, you know, huge images um, and uh, JavaScript, whatever. So just put, go to Google Optimizer, put your, your, your website in there. So yeah, any other questions? Should we use cost per lead to benchmark? Mm, so interesting. Well, actually, there's a very easy answer to that. What's your objective? <laughs> What's your KPI? Like for me, I use cost per lead to benchmark the campaign, mm -hmm. but ultimately it's return on ad spend. Yeah. Right? I can pay a crazy high cost per lead, but my return on ad spend is mm -hmm. still really low. I'm like, that's fine. Cost per lead to optimize the campaign. Yeah, it depends on it the depends objective on, on your you campaign. Need. I run like different campaigns. You should also do your awareness campaigns. So, so that's uh, subjective to what you're doing. Um, so, so actually, uh, team. So, can we have uh, sort of like the best questions? We are going to actually give out the the movie tickets, and then we will contact you in PM. So, so later we'll let you know. So our team will will actually announce in the comments who actually won the uh, the movie the tickets. tickets, and then we will PM you for the details. So tune in for our next webinar next week as well to see what you can win. So we'll we try. More movie tickets the next yeah. So we have about ten minutes left for for our live. So any questions, do keep them coming in for a singe. Uh, and uh, let's see. Okay. So a question from Levan. Uh, Poon, how how to effectively scale up your Facebook ads? My ads run good on small budget, but when I try to scale up, the results is not ex expected. Hmm. So okay. Well, I'm facing the same problem too. <laughs> <laughs> you will always face this problem. Honestly, yeah. you will always face this problem. I, my hypothesis has to do with audience size. Mm -hmm. Like we, when you find like a good niche, a good cost per lead, and all that, your audience is really good for this kind of budget. And then as you scale up, suddenly it goes that boom. To me, the answer is scale slowly, um, very slowly. Have multiple campaigns because not all campaigns will yeah. survive a scale up. Um, when scale up, you mean let's tell it means you you increase the budget for the campaign, right? Yeah. So if the campaign works well, fifty bucks a day. Don't lie, like the next day put it at 100 bucks, right? Like 55, 60, inch it up slowly. But the reality is I feel Facebook is a very catch-22. Mm. As you scale a campaign, honestly, your acquisition costs tend to go up as well. Sometimes I think it's because it reaches very uh, more irrelevant audiences. Um, but yeah, no, it's a problem you always face. Whether you're spending 50 bucks a day or 500 bucks a day, you will still face the same problem. That's my take on it. Mm, I for me if it works well I I I try not to change, change the budget especially um, changing the the campaign budget or the ad set budget it does affect the campaign tremendously I would uh, duplicate the same campaign they have two campaigns running simultaneously that that is what I would do to scale but generally when it comes to Facebook ads don't touch the budget if it's working <laughs> that's that's that. Uh, hi, hi, Kushbu. Thanks for thanks for watching. Um, so we're waiting for questions to come in. Um, so let's see. Okay, any other questions? Okay, so this one is more uh, a question about our courses. So Nelson Chi Fong actually asked, "I don't have a product to launch. Am I suitable for the course?" So so different. Um, so we have to, for for the audience right here. We have two digital marketing courses. You know, for digital marketing quantum degree. 
um, which is the digital marketing content re remote immersive. You will learn from materials created by Sage. So you'll learn everything from SEO, Facebook, Google ads, understanding your customer, marketing funnels, um, strategy, um, and so on on the, on the everything. Fundamentals, like how do you build a customer avatar, all the boring stuff so, like that. So Stage has spent many, many weeks and many, many hours creating those content. So if you want to, uh, please head on to Next Academy's website after this and sign up for the course. And we also have another course called the Digital Marketing Product Launch Bootcamp. So you don't really have a product, have to have a product to launch for this bootcamp. What we uh, actually have is we will actually have the products for you to market. And how the course works is, um, we will have around 15 to 20 students and we'll be split into groups and we'll be working on marketing the same product. So we'll actually give you the product. We will handle the ad spend and you'll actually test out different campaigns during the product launch bootcamp. So do, so do join us for the product launch bootcamp and also you will get access to the digital marketing quantum degree as well when you join the product launch bootcamp. And it's for marketers, business owners, and also for, uh, mark for, uh, people who are interested in marketing in general. I mean, it's actually really great. I think the good, I, I made the course, I have to say it's, <laughs> it's a really good like foundation, especially yeah. if you're really fresh and yeah. you haven't started anything. Uh, but even if you've had some experience, so uh, we had a student who was working at Google optimizing campaigns and uh, he wanted to um, kind of learn other things like Facebook and Analytics. So yeah. he took the course to build proficiency in the other areas. Sorry. <laughs> <coughs> I'm yeah. Holding the cough for like 10 minutes. But yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think you don't need to have a business to be able to learn digital marketing. Yeah. It'll be easier, of course. Yeah. But yeah, you can apply it to anyone in Friends Cafe that works too. So even for the product launch bootcamp, uh, in our last batch, we had, you know, business owners who joined the bootcamp. There was a lady who owns an IT company. There was a guy who actually owned a furniture store. So, you know, they came to us and of course they worked on our products, but they also came to us with real world problems for their business. And we actually answered, you know, questions when it came to their business as as well. So, so yeah, that's a, about our product launch bootcamp. So our digital marketing content review actually launches on August 26th and the product launch bootcamp is on September 5th. So, um, I, what actually the question would be, um, some people ask me is what differentiate our digital marketing courses uh, from other, I cannot speak from other academies, but you know, what you learn here is from practitioners. So Sinch has been, you know, doing digital marketing for close to 10 years, 10 years already. Yes. And <laughs> from, <laughs> from different industries. So from, you know, now she's doing, you know, uh, software. And, you know, previously she was doing a lot of speed marketing, B2C. B2C. Marketing. Um, so you will learn from uh, different people who are actually in the industry. I myself have worked in advertising, in retail, and now doing, um, you know, education marketing. So, and also we have instructors, you know, who are actually practitioners. We have Facebook ads experts to teach you in the product launch bootcamp, Google ads experts, SEO experts who actually do SEO for multiple markets. So you actually learn from practitioners in the industry as well. So yeah, I hope to see you guys in the, in the digital marketing course. So there's some questions coming in. Hmm. So, do you want to take this? How do you compare CPC? 
Actually, I was good on at Google and Facebook because this is like yeah. the most frequently asked. Question. Okay, so how how, how do you gauge uh, a customer acquisition cost for online marketing? You know how what is a good investment to get a thousand customers? So great question, David Hung. So so this is a great question. A lot of frequently asked questions. Like I think when we used to run the Saturday classes, yeah. this is the question that gets asked the most. How much money should I spend on marketing? Okay. Um, my answer is how much money can you spend? <laughs> marketing is part of business, right? You yeah. don't you don't like um it it's it's supposed to support your business. So there's actually no like the best customer acquisition cost or the best cost per click or the mm -hmm. best CPL. It actually it actually depends on your business. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, right? <laughs> because traditionally, we love benchmarks. We're like, okay, am I doing well or am I not doing well? Is this good or is this bad? But really, it's not binary. There's no right or wrong answer. It's all almost always a matter of, is this right for your business or not? If you are spending 10 bucks to acquire a customer, but your margins are three bucks, it doesn't matter if typically 10 bucks is really cheap, what matters is you still can't afford to do it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Go with what your business numbers actually tell you. What are your profit margins? If you're only earning three bucks, like, okay, you probably be spending way less on marketing mm -hmm. uh, or finding a way to increase your margin. But there is no best number. It really depends on your industry, what you're selling, uh, the kind of audience you're selling to in the competition. Sorry, micro Yeah, yeah. So it's basically how much you can afford and yeah. how much... Uh, so, you know, when you start your new business or new software product, you know, CAC might be high. Mm. But as you go down, as you do more marketing, of course, CAC will reduce. So it's how long you can last with this CAC. <laughs> so yeah. that's the question that you ask yourself. So, hey, Tim, do we have a winner for the movie tickets? I think we do. Oh, so the best question and thanks for all the 20 shares is um, Shontan, thanks for your great question. So we'll get you in DM and send you uh, send you the movie tickets. So these now belong to Sean Tan. Okay, thanks for joining Wong Kok Wai and Lina Levena. So actually, we are about to head to the end of the question. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank uh, you. We will, anyone who is interested in our digital marketing courses, please do send us a PM on Facebook and we'll get back to you. And uh, any questions when it comes to digital marketing, please do send us here it here on Facebook, we'll try to answer it in the next webinar or we'll try to email you the answers as well. How many shares do we get in total? How many shares do we get, team? 21. 21. Oh, thanks everyone for sharing and uh, do tag your friends who are interested in learning digital marketing to this webinar. So thanks thanks so much for watching. Thank <laughs> thanks, you. Thanks for being here with us Thank for this time. for having me today. Yeah, so thanks guys. So we'll say bye. Bye Instagram and bye to Facebook. Bye. Bye.